So I get on the subway. Because my friend Tom says to me, I need to talk about something. And I hadn't seen Tom in several years at that point. And Tom had been around. He'd been off to Europe and, you know, wherever. And nobody had heard from Tom. And Tom wanted to go out to dinner at this restaurant. So I hop on the subway. And I get to the restaurant. Ooh la la. Come on into this restaurant. May I seat you? Yes, you may, sir. Thank you. Thank Who you, is that? Thank you for the opportunity. You're welcome. May you enjoy a fine tip, my man. <laughs> Ooh, this is a, quite a good tip. Thank you very much, sir. You're welcome. Uh, I am giving you this tip money because I just started a little film called The Princess Bride. What? Inconceivable, etc. With Carrie Elways and also Andre the Giant. Correct. Billy Crystal's there. And also... Robin Wright Penn. And Mandy Patinkin. Also uh -huh. him. Oh, yeah. Christopher Guest is in there as well. Quite a cast. Wait, don't you mean Chris Sarandon? He's there too, but Christopher Guest is the bad guy, isn't he? Chris Sarandon. No, Christopher Guest is in there. <laughs> no, he's not. I was in it because I'm Wallace Hold Shawn. on. Hold on. Let me check IMDb. <laughs> All right, Garcon, we're about to sit down with Tom. Wait, no, 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 no. Justin's not here yet. Justin's not here yet. You're going to sit down to eat without Justin? He's running yeah. late. He's running late. He called me. IMDB Christopher Guest. Christopher Guest is not in The Princess Bride, Princess. Tom. Let's sit down and have dinner. I said, wait, okay? You can go to the bar. Order a drink. I don't give a shit. You're waiting for Justin. He called. Okay? He'll be here. Okay, Christopher Guest. Bartender, can you give Count me a Count Rugen. Count fucking Rugen. The Princess Bride. Jesus Christ. Oh, here's Justin. Hey, guys. Hey, uh, Frank and Justin. Welcome to this restaurant. Thanks for meeting me here. Thanks. Under your seat, you will find a knife. <laughs> <laughs> the knife that uh, we insert into our guts, much like Yukio Mishima that I talked about the last time. Is, is this place seppuku compliant? <laughs> yeah, you just have to get somebody to cut your head off. Yeah. If you tip the maitre d' enough, he'll even hide it underneath a waterfall. <laughs> so your enemies may not find it, and your honor may not be besmirched. Um, there are, um, um, uh, Japanese monsters who their heads fly off at night. Excuse me, sir. Oh, hello. I am going to be your waiter. Would you like something to drink? Wait, who are you talking to? You said a singular sir. Which I'm, one of us? You're not, I'm you're talking, looking very sheepish. You're not looking any of us in the eye. I'm talking, uh, You're sorry. doing a, Ke are you Keanu Reeves? Is that Keanu Reeves? Well, uh... I'm researching a role. <laughs> I'm not making John Wick movies. I um, I wait tables at this fancy restaurant. It's actually a pretty good counter read. Is it? Yeah, it's pretty good. Whoa! It actually is. Hey, oh, uh, oh, uh, uh, wait a minute, um. Uh, here comes, um... Oh, excuse me, uh, busboy. Busboy, get a new place setting for this, for this gentleman. There is no spoon. See, now you're, you. you're almost Steven you. Seagal. Oh, what's that? Oh, it's my agent. I have to go. Bye. You're almost Steven Seagal. Hey, baby. You missed a big man with the big balls? That's a Steven Seagal quote. <laughs> All right, so what do you, what are we what are we doing here? I don't know. I just I just can I call my friends and can we just can we just like hang out once in a while, guys? I mean, I don't yeah, know. Take a on the internet. What, Frank? What? Huh? Your voice gargled in person for some reason. Yeah, you got to we just dick around on the internet. Dick, dick around on the interweb? 
No, let's let's talk. Let's talk about real stuff. Let's get real. Here in this restaurant with all of these people. Oh, hello. Look, there's Count over here. Let's talk about real stuff, like the theatrical tradition that we are a part of. Uh, what experimental theater have you guys been doing lately? Um, I'm just going to launch into this. Go for it. I'm going to ignore that segue. <laughs> this kind of counts. What, what segue? We're having a conversation. We never have non-podcast conversation. <laughs> Life is a podcast. Anything interesting happening to you? Happened to you? Why, well, yes, I certainly do. Please uh, tell me more. So I, I had a show on Friday. So uh, I'm on the Philadelphia DIY page looking for shows. That's a real thing. I didn't change that at all. And I see this guy, and he you says, "You have to be invited into it." I invited you. Did uh, you? <laughs> I'm pretty sure. No. I see this guy on there, and he's like, hey, I do the booking for... Bleep. And I'm like... Bleep. That's a really cool name for a house show venue. Good for you for naming your house show venue. Bleep. I wonder where in West Philly it is. This will be good. So I'm like, I'm, I'm under the impression it's a house show venue. Because mm. they have goofy names like that, like Golden Tea House. Or Sprinkle Kingdom, or The Waiting Room, or bleep, or etc. Yada yada. And the barn. No, oh the barn. So uh, I say yes to the show, and then it's the week of the show, and I look up where it is, and I find out that it is not a house show venue. Instead, it is a uh, sushi restaurant, and it's not uh, you know it's not a West Philly house show venue at all. I'm like, oh shit. Oh, God, no, this isn't going to be as good as a house show. It's a sushi restaurant. But I'm like, you know what? You never know. I've played in small food places before, and it could be a fun time. So I go to the show. And I get there, and the other acts arrive. The first guy's pretty nice, and then the la uh, another person who's playing comes, and uh, she seems friendly, and uh, uh, the lady who runs the place is like, sit down, sit down. Do you want anything to drink? Now, every show I've ever played at a venue that serves drinks usually give you at least one drink voucher as a performer. So I'm like, cool, uh, I'll have this beer. And she's like, oh, and are you hungry? And I go, oh, shit, what hospitality? Truth was, I wasn't hungry. <laughs> I had eaten dinner. But I was like, I don't want to be rude and offend. I'm like, I'll have something very small. And she's like, how about this? It's very small. I'm like, okay, I need your credit card to start a tab. So I'm paying for my own food at this show. So I'm already, in, I'm already in the, in the red. Uh, and then uh, the other acts go on, and you know, they're a bit more um, amateurish than I was expecting. Ah uh, yes, amateurish. There's some friends of the one performer, some friends of the other performer, and like a family who's eating dinner. It's a weird crowd. Uh, so I'm starting to. It's my turn. So I start. Uh, putting my stuff on stage and setting up. And then suddenly the family leaves because they finish eating and it's time to go home. All right, understandable. But then the first performer and all of his friends leave. <laughs> like half a dozen people. I'm like, oh, that sucks. So now there's like the guy running it and like four people who are the second performer and some of their friends. Okay, whatever. You know what? You know, I'm paying my dues, whatever. You know, I'd just be a professional, even though I paid for my own meal tonight. And fuck it. Let's just do it. And in the middle of my second song, they all get up and leave. <laughs> so now it's just me and the guy running it in an empty room. Uh, and then I go for a little bit longer, and then I just stop because it's ridiculous. And I'm taking all my shit down. The whole night is fucking failure. There are other more comedic details, but it makes the story way too long. And then it's a sushi restaurant. And, like, the sushi, sushi, sushi chef guy, this ancient Japanese guy, speaking very broken English, comes up to me and the guy who's running it. And he's like, uh, the family in the back, the boy, it's his birthday. What? Oh, it, it is his birthday. Uh, do you know happy birthday? <laughs> Jesus. Jesus Christ. <laughs> you're, you're living a, a spinal tap plot, unfortunately. Wait, waiter, I, I think we can do it without this. 
yeah. Take it away. All right, sirs, I will be taking away this uh, delicious table. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> no, please, not the table. Then we'll just be sitting in chairs. And then what will we put our elbows on? Each other. You shouldn't put your elbows on the table. You're two uh, famous New York playwrights. You should know that. <laughs> we're fancy lads. We're, we're famous in New York? Justin. Yes. He did you know this? Yes. Oh. In particular, you are the gnomish short man. <laughs> Wait. Who looks like a Pixar character. <laughs> Wait. Who are you talking to? <laughs> Me or Justin? I think he's... Just Justin. Oh. <laughs> uh, we'll get back to it. We'll get to it. We'll get to it. But I think Justin is more the Wallace Shawn than the inconceivable. Then I keep <laughs> Andre Gregory. One of my coworkers at my job has the last name Gregory, and I keep wanting to say their name instead and fully reveal their identity. <laughs> Just completely dox them on the internet. They're like one of our only fans, so <laughs> it would it would be a good uh, a good shout out. Yeah, shout out to Tunes Guy too. Yeah, we love you. You're cool. <laughs> His name's Evan. Hey Evan. Hi Evan. We should listen to the best show sometime. Frank, you're very insistent on this, and you're the one of us who hasn't met the guy. I know. <laughs> Frank needs a new friend, everybody. I do. Evan, call me. <laughs> Frank's phone number is 123 555. 555. 123 Fake Street. 1900. Hot sex. With Frank. <laughs> <laughs> Extension. Anywho. You're gonna you're gonna get that, Frank? No. I'm gonna ignore it. Excuse me, sir. Please silence your cellular phone. Uh, excuse me, weirdo. Please leave us alone. We're trying to eat. Whoa, yeah, please I'm stop sorry. masturbating in this fancy restaurant. Um, hey, hey, it's New York. It's part of the hey, scenery. Look in here. <laughs> Fuck New York. New York sucks. I'm sorry to Wallace Shawn and Andre Gregory. New York sucks. Although Wallace Shawn probably lives in L.A. now. All right, that's enough. Good job, everyone. Great opening. Thank you for your applause, Mace. Mace the cat. A cat sitting for a cat named Mace, everybody. Uh, he's very uh, mischievous. Hello, I'm Mace the cat. Oh, I put salt Why in is your he sugar shaker. Oh, cats are British. Don't you know this, Frank? <laughs> God. <laughs> For context, ladies and gentlemen, this is our second try. This is not <laughs> going same. well, but at least we're not suicidally depressed slash yeah. rageful first, at each other. <laughs> the first time we tried to do this, Justin looked more despondent than I think I've seen him look in a very long time. What? Uh, hey, bar barman, we're talking about a movie. You can listen if you want. With Thank you, sir. <laughs> oh, God, never mind. <laughs> Would you like some Hawaiian? 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 To talk about the movie that you are talking about this week, which is... 1981's. My, My dinner with, with Andre. <laughs> Today we're talking about 1981's My Dinner with Andre. Hi, There's a kitty cat on the table, and so are these two New York City. Hey, I'm walking here. Hey, I'm walking here, trying to get out. Mace, talk. I'm podcasting here. Cat, oh, look at that cat. It's a cute kitty. He is a cute kitty. Take a screenshot, Frank. Or he's literally on the keyboard. <laughs> there we go. He wanted off. Uh, he's leaving literally in like 15 minutes. Too his uh, real owner is picking him up. Oh, weird. So. <laughs> we'll we'll be brief. <laughs> yeah. 
what are we watching? What do we watch? So it's about essentially just it, it's in the title. It is Wallace Shawn, a New York City playwright, as he is in real life, uh, having a dinner that he is kind yeah. of dreading with his old professional colleague, uh, uh, Andre Gregory, who is also a theater person, uh, a playwright, I guess, mm -hmm. uh, who has uh, gone granola on us and just disappeared over the past He's five gone. years. He was out of here. He was on a spirit quest. Much like a, a man on a spirit quest. And he <laughs> traveled the world trying to uh, find meaning and purpose and how he feels about art. Take it away, Frank. Uh, yeah, so this is a, a film directed, it should be said, by Louis Maul, the French director, who uh, created it as kind of like a, a weird sort of theater project between these two dudes. Um, and the film consists of two distinct parts. The first being when Andre is kind of uh, monologuing about his um, time away, and while it, you cut constantly to reaction shots of Wallace Shawn just looking at him like he's fucking crazy and full of shit. Um, and then Wallace Shawn begins to respond in the sort of second part of the movie, and it becomes much more of a dialogue between the two characters. Yeah, it's, um, it's definitely where has Andre Gregory, Gregory gone? A very long accounting for where he did go. And then uh, sort of Wallace Shawn's kind of rebuttal and then a little bit of give and take, although it's not really adversarial per se. No, no, it's not adversarial, but like they are two people with two distinct ideas about life and art. And the film is basically a chronicling of how those ideas interact. Yeah. And for, yeah, for the beginning half, uh, um, Wallace Shawn... Uh, is playing it very subtly and greatly uh, and bigly um, of a man who doesn't want to be there, doesn't want to engage, and but then he gets to the point where I can't let this shit go on <laughs> do anymore. The, do an impression. Um, and so then he starts to engage, and they he butts heads a little bit, but Andre Gregory, it becomes a real conversation. Yes, um, and I guess an important point is do we think andre gregory is full of shit in this film so i i, I kind of reject uh too much the uh idea that it, it, it is as adversarial or that these guys represent antipodes or anything like that i i think it's uh i don't think it's as pointed as that and i think it's more meta than that uh and i think the content of their conversation uh uh, is more important to what this is as an overall piece of work in a film. Uh, I, I, well, no, this is the time. We won't get to it. We never do. <laughs> yeah. uh, so, uh, so one big thing is sort of um, uh, uh, Andre is essentially lost. Uh, in, in reality, he's lost his uh, he's lost his mother. Uh, he's lost a sense of purpose. He's having a midlife crisis. Uh, I think it's sort of the underlying thing, but he, he tries to find it in all these zany spiritual practices, trying to get something to touch him and move him and to feel reality, to get to, to experience life at a, at a real, uh, genuine, emotionally intense space and to not be so much operating by habit, the way they put it, uh, to just go through life by habit. Uh, uh, and, and Wallace Shawn's sort of zen rebuttal is... Uh, uh, you know, I have my coffee waiting for me in the morning, and if uh -huh. there's nothing in it, I'm happy. And sometimes I stay in with my, uh, referring to his real life uh, partner and wife, uh, Deborah Eisenberg. Uh, uh, I stay in with Debbie. Sometimes we step out. Sometimes we take out the garbage. Uh, how could uh, you want anything more? Uh, but uh, uh, so uh, Andre Gregory talks about this time where he had a, a, a christening in a Polish uh, uh, castle when he was doing a, sort of a gorilla weird languageless uh theater experiment out in the wilderness of poland uh and he says how that that is a, a, a piece of theater that can move somebody and bring them to reality and uh wallace sean's rebuttal is well we can't take everyone to the top of mount everest to get them to feel anything uh but in real and and that's what they're sort of arguing about but in reality uh wallace sean uh, says that the cigar shop next door should be 
real. If you could see the reality of it, it would blow your brains out, he says. But here, with this movie, they have this conversation, and it blows our brains out. This movie is the cigar shop. This movie is the small thing. Uh, getting down to the reality. And I think at the beginning of the movie, they're starting out in their habit of conversation. It's very surface, it's very fake. And then you can see it in the performances. It becomes more real, it becomes more hectic and chaotic. Anyway, that's my spiel. Um, yeah, I, I think that's actually a really good read on the film. Um, in particular, I remember there being a line where um, Andre Gregory says that he had spent years trying to adapt The Little Prince, the classic French children's book. And a switch flipped in his brain, and he came to associate the book with authoritarianism and fascism. And he said that, you know, now when I think of The Little Prince, I just envision oily muscle. Um Kind of, so this, every time I had to, and I don't know if you've got, had this experience, every time I had to sell that book in Glarns and Global, uh, I flashed back to Andre Gregory saying it made him think of fascism and oily muscle. Um, uh, so uh, there was this thing where Andre believes in the supernatural. He points to a bunch of coincidences having to do with receiving a letter uh, uh, from one of his Polish theater students using the word tame which bounces to uh him uh, uh going into a collection of uh, absurdist magazines and seeing a series of handprints he puts a handprint into the letter he responds to the polish girl and uh, how, how do you pronounce the name of the author of uh the little prince i have no you're the one who speaks french saint exper exuperi Ex poopery. Ex poopery. It stinks. It stinks. <laughs> Let's do a podcast about the critic. <laughs> All right, you heard it here first, folks. We're changing formats once again. No, <laughs> podcast about. Did anyone watch the critic except maybe the three of us? <laughs> that is possible. I love the critic. It's a great show. <laughs> a French fry in my beard. I was never wild about him showing up on The Simpsons, though. What? I never really liked it when he showed up on The Simpsons, though. Oh, I did. That was a good episode. I didn't like... Oh, wait. He's, he's not squiggly on that show. That's not a squiggly show. No. No. They animated him like The Simpsons. Yeah. Um, <laughs> anyway. Uh, this is good. We're having Simpsons references. Uh, yeah, we have good. Usually, energy. when we start having Simpsons references, we're in a good place. <laughs> Speaking of the Simpsons, uh, the Simpsons also references this film that we're talking about. Do you remember? Yes. Thirsting for a way to name the unnameable to express the inexpressible. Tell me more. <laughs> Witty Bonmo in the arcade game. Do we like this film? I think that's an important thing to talk about. Yes. I like it a lot. Yeah. It's it's kind of a miracle of a film in that it's intensely watchable. Even though it's, for the most part, just two people two sitting at a table. Yeah, and I think that's down to the quality of the writing and the quality of the performances between the two principal actors. Mm-hmm. Um, this movie would not be interesting if the shit they were talking about wasn't interesting. And they weren't conveying it in an interesting fashion. Yeah. Uh, to that end, I think there was a strategic and good bit of um, not realism in the performances. Yes. Uh, for instance, uh, the entire first half of the film where Andre Gregory just recites his uh, his Iliad uh Without a, an er or an um or a pause or a stammer, uh, and I, I think they kind of, because at the very end of the film, it's revealed that they've stayed till an ungodly hour, and everybody's gone, and the wait staff is just waiting to go home, uh, which it would seem that the film is occurring in real time, but I think that's a little nod to the fact that maybe maybe it's not, or it's just sort of, it's it's not real, it's not real life, it's a, it's a movie, it's movie magic. Uh, and uh, I like that. There wasn't a, a, a gross attempt at uh, hyper-realism with it, which I think... Yeah, I... Go ahead. Well, I, I just think that some some art house indie filmmakers kind of fall prey to that sometimes. Yes, very much. Uh, Roger Ebert actually talks about uh, that 
in his essay on the film when he says, you know, there's this common misconception that it's two dudes alone talking in real time um, and that there's no one else in the film. When, of course, there's a waiter, there's a bartender, and the waiter reacts like to the, the Amazingly. weird shit they're saying. Um, and he makes a point that, like that, like you were saying, Tom, one of the genius things that this movie pulls off is the way it plays around with time. Um, because there's nothing that marks a time jump necessarily in the way that the film is made, but a time jump has clearly occurred. Uh, because they get there at normal hours, and like you said, when they're getting ready to leave, everybody's gone. Um, so it's, and it doesn't make a big deal about it the way that I think a contemporary filmmaker, like you were saying, would make a big deal. It would either be hyper realistic, and this would be like 24, where it takes place in quote unquote real time. Or they would uh, make a big show of the time jumps. I'm also imagine, like, yeah, like imagining like they would script in with stage direct or whatever direction, like uh, uh, struggle with your napkin for 2.3 seconds and then mispronounce this word and say it again, or like they would, or like improvise it 17 times until it has the appropriate amount of uh, real life grit. Um, yeah, it'd be like a mumblecore movie, and those movies fucking suck. <laughs> true <laughs> they're terrible should i watch the comfy chair <laughs> yes we should no. do the comfy chair on the show oh god I we really should it. it's it's we should do it uh, fuck you duplass brothers i can envision we're gonna fucking do it i fucking hate the duplass brothers i hate them so much i don't think i hate them as much as you but i i do hate them <laughs> They fucking suck. The, the so league bad. is better than it's always sunny in Philadelphia. That is factually incorrect. I'm going to give you a fucking wedgie. Yeah, well, you can eat my shorts. I forget that the league. <laughs> I forget that the league exists. I'm sometimes. having a cow, man. <laughs> Cowabunga. Yeah, the league. The thing that uh, left everyone shared memory. Meanwhile, uh, it's always sunny in Philadelphia is still beloved by millions of people. Uh, yeah. Because. Rob uh, McElhenney just uh, had catch with uh, Chase Utley That's because true. Chase Utley retired the other day. Guys, I hate to break it to you, but uh, It's Always Sunny stopped being a nationally broadcast show. If you, if <laughs> it's you... only broadcast around here? <laughs> yeah, yeah. You're just letting us believe that the whole rest of the country knows or cares about what happens in Philadelphia. <laughs> uh, As evidenced by our rising crime rates and the fact that a... Uh, Oil refinery just exploded. literally exploded, and no one gives shit. Like the fires of Mordor. I somehow didn't hear it, or which see is it. incredible to me. Yeah, have because I live in South Philadelphia, which is where that oil refinery is. I didn't hear a goddamn thing. You live in Southish Philadelphia. Yeah, I live in like Queen Village adjacent South Philadelphia. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> That's way down there by the Platte Bridge. Yeah, we're from uh, where uh, we're from. <laughs> we it's still a giant explosion. It was so. uh, absurdly terrifying. <laughs> like, if, ladies and gentlemen, if you don't know what we're talking about, look it up. It was fucking insane. We'll put a picture in the camera roll on Instagram. Uh, anyway, <laughs> do we have anything else to say about this film? <laughs> Buongiorno. Uh, anyway, so we like this movie. Yeah, it's a good movie. Let's fucking get it over with. <laughs> this was much a much better discussion than uh, the one that we originally tried to do. Ladies and gentlemen, if you really want to hear three men, three grown-ass men, just become despondent <laughs> over failure to be able to talk about my dinner with Andre, we can pepper in you some clips. <laughs> If Tom deems it necessary to do so, I but also, it was pretty bad. I also think uh, we should start a Patreon just to be able to release the failed attempt mm -hmm. to our Patreon supporters. Mm. Yeah, because we we haven't had that many like. This is our first straight up and down lost episode. We've joked about it. Mm. We've joked about it, but we released them anyway. Right. Um, <laughs> And they turned out pretty good for the most part. That one, if you hear parts of it, you will get why we just—it just can never happen. Um, Unless you pay us, uh, Evan from Tunes, <laughs> pay pay us money. 
Tom pays you money all the time. Well, he pays the company that employs you, and then they pay you uh, pittances, uh, shit wages. So use the, the pittances that you make working for a music store <laughs> to pay us. You're making it weird, Frank. <laughs> You're making it really weird. <laughs> he is not uh, somebody who I know. <laughs> oh, okay. He is a stranger. <laughs> Who we are repeatedly calling out <laughs> by, by name, by his name and place of employment. <laughs> hey, you brought up the place of employment first. Anyway, uh, I just one quick thing about this film, which is that I love its soundtrack, and uh, oh, it's great. The entirety of the soundtrack is a single playing of nineteen or eighteen ninety eights. Gymnopédie or whatever how you pronounce that in French. Number one by Eric Satie, this sentimental piano piece that we can splice in because nobody owns a copyright. It's a classical piece of music. All right. You know what my favorite piece of classical music is? What's that? Uh, Baby Star Elephant Wars. March. <laughs> the Star Wars soundtrack. <laughs> the only classical music I listen to is movie soundtracks. <laughs> Well, That's I mean, not true. Well, I like Eric Satie quite a bit. He rips off uh, Stravinsky pretty hard, so I guess that counts. Um, yeah, and I've just I've learned it on the piano, and I've been having experiences that make me want to listen to it, and I can't stop thinking about it, and it's beautiful. We've talked about this before, but there is something weirdly magical about this era of New York. Oh yeah, this slots perfectly into that all that jazz era, which was only two years previous, 1979. Uh, yeah, that sort of <laughs> before while while uh, Times Square still had porn theaters, but you could feel, free Giuliani. Pre, but you could, you could feel you could feel stop and frisk coming. <laughs> yeah, it's weird. Like I think what we like about it is it's New York pre-fascism. <laughs> Here's my thing about it is I don't have any interest in this era of New York, but it tells you something that so many of the fucking movies we've covered on this show take place in that New York. And I yeah. love all of those movies, but it was such a thing. Not to mention, I, I think it may have just been a singular uh, kind of happening a vortex in history because it's also the uh, the the stellar nursery of of the of sort of the salvation of music with the sort of the the, the uh, double renaissance of uh, uh, American art music happening there with the CBGB Bowery scene. Uh, it, it may have just been uh, I don't know. It's just the American cultural uh, nursery. It was just a boiling cesspool that uh, uh, some uh, 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 single-cell organisms uh, fucked in, and then a, a, a lizard walked out. That's how evolution works, right? And now we have pizza. Kind of. <laughs> and now we have pizza rat. Pizza Is rat there? and a broken subway system. <laughs> I live in New hey. Jersey. New Jersey. Yeah. Where we live in South Jersey. Yeah, South Jersey. There are alpacas down and here. Chickens. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Chocobos. Um. Uh. Excuse me, waiter. Could I get a refill on this uh, coffee? Wine? You would like some more wine, no, no, sir? No, 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 I think we should just go get some coffee. Fine! Let's get out of the blow this popsicle stand and take an aeroplane. All the way to Seattle, Washington, where. Hey, wait a second. Hey, guys. Oh my god. Do you see this happening? We're, we just walked into Cafe Nervosa to get some coffees, and look over there. I think I see Dr. Fraser Crane trying to get a table with his brother to talk to his brother. But whoa, whoa. 
who's coming in right now? It looks like it's it's uh, Raz Doyle, and they make some sex talk about her, and it's a little uncomfortable. And then Very she goes away, and then the, the, here comes the daddy and the nursey, and they wanna get a seat, but it's raining and it's pouring, and they want something to eat, but they leave and then Fraser and Niles get a chair, and they talk about if not dead. Fraser's happy, but he says yes when Niles isn't there. Frasier, season one, episode last one of the season. My coffee with Niles. My coffee with Niles, my friend. Justin. Justin's slow uh, progression into a childhood state. Like tantric sex, we have been... We have been teasing Justin for like a week now because he didn't get to go off at our last attempt, our, our failed lost episode. And so he's just been blue balling his his explosion of exuberance for a week now. He's just been edging like sting. And now the room has stalactites of Justin Essence. Ropes and ropes and ropes of uh, semen. Jesus Christ. Uh, I was thinking about um, telling a, a coworker uh, who's like a, a young but cool coworker at the library about the show. Uncomfortable transition, by but the way. I am. But based on that, I can never tell anybody about this. Show. Frank was. Oh, quoting this is gonna be the episode I recommend people listen to. Frank was quoting El Doctor O's Ragtime. <laughs> Was I? I thought I was quoting Bill Hicks. <laughs> You're doing both. It's part of life. It's where life comes from. <laughs> hey, I've never read that book. I always wanted to. It's got a very similar... I think it's Arcs. Arcs and Arcs of Chisholm, I think is the one. <laughs> Guys, look at, look at where we started now we're here. Hello, sir. Would you like some coffee? Oh. I, I moved here from New York just two seconds ago. Shut up, shut up, shut up. <laughs> What do we think of this episode? Guys, shut the fuck up for a second. Look at how far we've come. We started as a lowly little Bitch butt point. of a podcast in September of last year, and now, almost a full fucking year <laughs> later, we get to the end of the first season of Frasier. It's not a long season. It's like 21 episodes, and it took us like 10 months <laughs> That's a lie. It's only been nine months. <laughs> but we did it! This is the last episode it. of Frasier Season 1, and boy, is it a good one. Is it? Whoa! Yeah, yeah I like it. I adore this episode. I like bottle episodes, especially mm -hmm. in um, familiar places. Mm -hmm. uh, and uh, this movie, uh, unlike me praising... Uh, uh, my dinner with Andre for not having uh, pseudo-realism written into it. This one does, but I appreciate it because it's a sitcom and you never get that. So, like, during conversations, you have Niles getting up and wandering at a leisurely pace and thinking before saying a thing. You get sort of more uh, pregnant pauses in the conversation, uh, thoughtful moments. I really enjoyed it. It's a little moment with the characters. I'm a big old baby, so I enjoyed it. So I, um, I don't think it's a great, I, I know why they did this episode the way that they did it mm -hmm. because it's a wrap up. It's a season wrap up. Yeah. So you're taking apart the set of his apartment. <laughs> um, you can't just have the episode be Fraser and Niles talking because you have no. to have all of the characters have something to do, which is why they all sort of like sitcom walk in and out of Cafe Nervosa and they've all got problems and blah, blah, blah. And like you said, they have very uncomfortable sex conversations with Roz Doyle, um, which I'm sure Justin loved because that's basically the content of Justin's sex stream. She is comely in a back alley sort of way. <laughs> Roz, yeah, she's very attractive. You ever think about you two, you know, well, Roz and me? Oh. Oh, no, come no, on. no, no. You've never fantasized about stealing away to some cheap little motel with her? And, oh, well, I'm a man with normal urges. She does have a, have a silk blouse that falls open a bit when she leans over the cart rack. But, uh, oh, 
mixing work with romance. I don't know, is it ever worth it? Don't ask me, you're the one that looked down her blouse. <laughs> if you but. pay us, if you subscribe to our non-existent Patreon, I will go into all of the details of my sex stream. <laughs> oh, I actually might contribute to my own Patreon just to hear that. <laughs> um, but it's a little too sitcom-y for a show that I think does better. Like it does, it always does a little bit more. So, so you're saying that this was uh, uh, an episode attempting to copy my dinner with Andre, so it was trying to be quintessentially unsitcommy, but to they can't do that totally because it is a sitcom. So they reintroduced sitcom elements, and the way they did that was too ham-fistedly sitcommy. Am I am I reading you? Yes. Yeah. I, I can kind of go with that. I I I do get where you're coming from. I think you're dumb. <laughs> but I respect your stupid opinion. Um, <laughs> what is funny in this episode? I'll, I'll, I won't say I'll it's tell you. I'll, I'll say this: that what this episode serves as, and why I think it's super non-sitcommy, is this episode serves the role of a clip show. Mm. The underlying mm. purpose of a clip show, not necessarily showing you highlights of funniness, <laughs> but. Yeah, yeah. But as an emotional look at where we've come. Um, and was there, do you guys know, like, was it a sure thing that season two was happening? Was this, could this have functioned as the end of Frasier kind of a thing if they, if it didn't get picked up? Absolutely. Yeah. They wrapped it up in a bow. Yeah. Well, without resolving anybody's character arc. But, <laughs> but like, was this a... Was there a possibility? Do you know if there was a possibility that there was no season two? I don't know about that. I don't know the I'm history, a... but I'm, now I'm lost in the alternate universe where there was only one season and it was this sort of beguiling little vignette of a show. Well, well, let's hold off on that for. Do we have anything else to say about this episode? Yes. Okay, well, let's <laughs> do that. It's, it's not funny and it's dumb. No, shut up, Frank. <laughs> it is funny. It has one of the best spit takes ever. Genuinely amazing. David Hyde Pierce spit take where uh, Frazier uh, uh, point deflects about being asked if he's happy by point blank asking Niles if uh, if he's in love with Daphne. Pick a new subject, something light and frothy. I agree. Are you in love with Daphne? It's <laughs> a little frothier than I had in mind. Uh, anytime David Hyde Pierce does physical comedy, I'm there. You've got the bit where uh, Frazier keeps reordering his drink and he, he keeps rejecting it for this and that, and the, the wait staff becoming increasingly frustrated with him. Excuse me, what about mine? We've got a team of specialists working on it. By the way, I think season one might be the end. Well, no, that's not true. But the wait staff at Cafe Nervosa are not nearly as important in later seasons. Yeah, true. Well, I mean, besides a few key things. There's no, like, Gunter character. Exactly, yeah. Which yeah, is, no, it's, is did very anybody weird. famous, like, have a brief cameo as a Cafe Nervosa barista? Am I making that up? No, like, but Elvis Costello <laughs> was a musician at Cafe Nervosa for an episode. Okay. Uh, but I that is, that is very kind of weird, and, like, I applaud them for it, that they... They've built into the show a set where a character could live, and they never do that. Yeah. You know? Yeah, because I think that's because they, they know themselves, they, and they know, they, they tried with the, the sort of the, uh, the apartment building lackey, and then they get rid of them. Uh, but it's like, these are aristocratic assholes who go to a cafe. <laughs> They're not going to, like, to introduce this kind of salt-of-the-earth, young, zany, hip character would be such just an unrealistic kind of uh, trying to reach all people. It would have been really transparent uh, and would have fucking ruined the show. Though, I do uh, applaud them for, at least throughout the first season, having consistency in the characters, uh, the casting of the employees of Cafe Nervosa. It it's, doesn't feel like a weird thing that there's a new person every time. No. Tom? Yes? You've been to Satatl. Yes. 
Is Cafe Nervosa real? Uh, alas, no. I, I would have found it if it were. Uh, they I, they give you a pretty good idea of where it is, uh, just through context clues. Um, Seattle's weird. It's only at its like it's downtown center city. It's only about like uh, four or five blocks across. And huh. they say like uh, like third or like the Christmas episode is Miracle on Third or Fourth Street, and in this one they reference oh I walked up and down Third Street. Well Eddie already smelled everything on Third Street. We we're on Fourth, uh, so you kind of get the sense that from the view from Fraser's apartment, that's in Queen Anne, which is you know about like 20 minutes out from downtown, and uh, this place seems to be in the built-up downtown hub where the radio station would be, which is pretty close to where a really cool real-life radio station is, KEXP, which has a really beautiful building, uh, the uh, the famous public radio station known for its rock and roll, indie rock, uh, sort of YouTube videos. Mecca uh, is um, Kenny the manager at KEXP. Uh, he is. They keep him in a cage outside. <laughs> oh, Kenny. No, he's a gimp. <laughs> oh, no. He likes it. Poor Kenny. <laughs> anyway. We'll get to Kenny. We'll get to Kenny. Um, well, anyway, okay. What's happening? I was asking if Cafe Nervosa was real. Uh, is Cam Winston also real? Tom, <laughs> is Frazier real? When you went to Seattle, was Kelsey Grammer there in a double-breasted suit? Uh, yes. Yes, he was. He greets you at the monorail, which is the only way in or out. Um, um okay. So how do, how do we feel about the season as a whole? I think this season is one of the finest first seasons, um, of any sitcom, uh, ever. I was surprised. This is my first time watching the show in order. Mm. Um, and I was surprised at how qu- fairly quickly they get to where they're going to be for at least a good, like, five seasons. I've The last few seasons get a little weird, as any sitcom does when they're on the air for, like, 11 years. <laughs> um, but they get there fairly quickly. There's still some weirdness, which I do bit. think is gets better with Niles and the, the Niles and Daphne thing. I think it get I think it gets a little less gross, but I could be completely wrong. Um, it doesn't. St- it's weird. I feel like it doesn't start to get less gross until they actually start to get married, which is a little bad. Yeah. Well, that's, um, that's the thing I liked about this last episode. Last, yeah, last episode, which is uh, that they kind of attack it head on, and uh, Fraser asks him point blank, and he he, which might be like a cop out, but he reveals that he feels a little powerless uh, in the situation. Uh, he feels highly uh, infatuated in a way he doesn't seem to have too much of a handle on. Um, which is you know a cop out bullshit. Control yourself, dick. <laughs> Yeah, you're a fucking adult. Stop getting a boner and going cross-eyed every time she bends over in front of you. Um, so I, I totally agree with Justin. First seasons of sitcoms are usually... First seasons of anything are usually pretty rough. It's But sitcoms in particular, when you have a show that is trying to be funny in a consistent manner, it takes a while for that comedic voice to like congeal. I would say 30 Rock is pretty good in its first season but like Seinfeld's first season is bad yeah um the American office I argue is bad the whole way oh. through but the first season of the American office is particularly bad the first season of parks and recreation is unrecognizably yeah different different bad yeah because it was trying to be the office exactly yeah um I, but I, this is kind of a Perfect well, first season, as it, perfect it, as you can get. It had a head start in that uh, Fraser Crane was a long-established mm-hmm. character. Now, granted, right. Fraser Fraser is vastly different yeah. from uh, yes from Cheers Fraser, and vastly different again from the cartoonishly villainous <laughs> Wings Fraser, yeah. which we'll, we'll <laughs> never get to. We'll get to it. <laughs> watch watch that episode of Wings sometime. It's pretty crazy. It's very crazy. Um, and it's weird because they that is a shared Cheers universe show. Like that is canon that that show takes place in the Cheers universe and he is like 
the fucking Lex Luthor <laughs> of the Cheers universe in that episode. It's a uh, planes, trains, and passing cranes. Yeah. Yeah, it's. Uh, I think it's only on YouTube. It's. I don't think Wings is streaming anywhere. It was a YouTube original. <laughs> it was a fan yeah. video. Like that fucking. Uh, have you guys seen this? Have you guys seen this shit? That Karate Kid sequel show. Oh, yeah. God. I heard it's, it's a Cobra YouTube Kai. original. I heard it's good. I heard. I don't fucking care. <laughs> People who say it's good are just easily entertained. It looks like dog shit. So let me ask you guys. Let me ask you, uh -huh. in the spirit of the episode, mm -hmm. Frank, are you happy? No. <laughs> Donald Trump is president. Who's happy? The planet's boiling. Donald Trump is president, and we're about to go to war with Iran. Why would any conceivable person on this earth be happy? Are you fucking kidding me? Inconceivable. Oh, God. <laughs> the human race is, is currently in a, a death drive. Uh, <laughs> We're all going down, folks. This is it. <laughs> Why would anyone be happy? <laughs> <laughs>